The text that calls for our attention this first Sunday in Advent comes to us from our Old Testament reading, from Jeremiah chapter 33, especially this last verse of our reading. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it shall be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today the colors have changed. Blue is on the altar, and we begin a new church year. And it's always good when you begin anything new to begin with a review of the fundamentals of that thing. And so it is good today that we might return to some of the very basic teachings of our faith. So let us start with two facts that the scriptures lay out time and time again. First, God is perfectly righteous. He is the definition of righteous. And secondly, only righteous people will enter into heaven and live with him forever. The scriptures make absolutely clear that nothing impure will enter into heaven. And so if you put those two together, it's quite clear that if we desire to be in heaven with God, well then we will need to be found righteous on that last day. So let me ask you, what is the righteousness that you have that will be upon you on that last day? What is the righteousness by which you will enter heaven and live with God forever? Is your righteousness the way you act? Do you judge yourself righteous because of what you do? Do you think that you live righteously, at least in comparison to a lot of other people, and trust that that will be good enough to stand on the last day? You maybe think about your marriage and decide that compared to what so many others are doing, you have done quite well. Do you think about your generosity towards God or towards man and take time to pat yourself on the back? Do you think about how much you volunteered to do and feel accomplished? Is your righteousness in the way that you act? If not, perhaps it's in the way that you speak. Are you righteous because cuss words never fall out of your mouth like they do so many others? Or are you righteous because you always seem to have a pleasant word to speak to people when you meet them out in public? Are you righteous because your speech is always dotted with talk about faith and God? Is your righteousness in the way that you speak? Or perhaps yet it's in the way that you think. Are you righteous because you have a rather good grasp of the ins and outs of Lutheran teaching? Are you righteous because you're a very staunch ideologue when it comes to your politics, regardless of which side you might fall on? Or perhaps you feel yourself a little more righteous because you're more highly educated than others, and so surely you have higher, more righteous thoughts. Is your righteousness about the way that you speak? Or lastly, maybe you're just righteous because of who you are. Are you righteous because you come from a long line 
of the right kind of Lutherans? Are you righteous because you're pure-blooded Germans or Finns or Norwegians? Are you righteous because your family has always held a special place in this church or in this community? You know, the truth is, we'd all like to believe that there's something about us that makes us righteous. We'd like to believe that we could find something that we've done pretty good at and could be proud of. We'd like to find something that we've done at least better than most and cling to that. But know this, if that is what we are clinging onto for our righteousness before God, we're in big trouble. Because even when we give the appearance of righteousness, oftentimes lurking underneath is something less than righteousness. We look at how confused people are about marriage in our world, and so we tell ourselves we're doing really well at our marriage, because at least we know what marriage is to be according to the Lord. But sometimes in thinking that, we can ignore the fact that we as husbands often struggle to love our wives, as we should. We can ignore how wives struggle to show respect and honor to their husbands. We can forget about the unkind words we might speak to our spouse now and again. And we might like to forget that we oftentimes harbor a little grudge, at least for a while. With all that being said, I guess it's best that we not depend on how we act be our righteousness. We also can look out and see there are those groups of people that seem to treat everyone very harshly right out of the gate. And so we decide that our pleasant demeanor is the thing that means we're quite holy. But when we think that way, we often ignore that all too often we might say something a little different about a person once their back is turned. We forget that sometimes what we say to that person and what we say about that person when we are in private are two very different things. Yeah, we try to ignore the truth that oftentimes we're not so pleasant anymore when no one important is listening. And so I guess we better not trust our speaking for our righteousness either. And yes, perhaps we think we have learned the theology taught in the Lutheran Church very well, and so consider ourselves righteous because of it. But when we do that, we often forget that many times we have trouble taking those teachings and passing them on even to our own families in ways that touch everyday life. We can ignore that temptation that we often feel to simply mock those people who get it wrong instead of trying to help them find the truth. We can often think we have it so right that we get pretty proud and don't think that we would really have any need of any correction or rebuke or even instruction. And so we probably shouldn't trust our thinking as our righteousness either. And as for our birth heritage being something that can give us a righteousness, Well, Jesus knocks that down pretty clearly. He makes clear that there is no birth that can automatically make us holy or righteous. There is no earthly birth that can deliver such things, no matter how superior we might think our heritage is. 
You know, so we can't trust just who we are to be our righteousness either. It is our Old Testament reading instead that tells us where it is that we find the righteousness we so desperately need. It is in that prophecy that Jeremiah uttered first. It is a prophecy that speaks about the one whom God had promised to send. The one whom he had promised to send in those days after Jeremiah lived. After that time of the exile. Yes, he had said and he would send forth the king that he had promised to David so long ago. Yes, he would send forth that one who would rule in justice and righteousness. And blessedly, when he did send forth that one, the people of God would get a new name. Their name would now be, the Lord is our righteousness. There we hear it. That is where we get our righteousness from the Lord. He alone is our righteousness. You know, that phrase or that name, the Lord is our righteousness, is actually given in the book of Jeremiah first to the coming one, and then only later to the people of God. You see, when that one comes, he gives his people his name, and he gives them his righteousness. And then and only then can we finally be ready to live with our God forever. In this Advent season, we prepare to receive that one who has been promised so long. We wait with anticipation, knowing that he and he alone can give us the righteousness that we need. We gather to make way for that king that has been promised ever since the days of David. We watch as God makes all of his promises yes in the sending of that one. So how do we actually go about preparing day by day for the first coming of Christ to be celebrated again in our midst and for his last coming to be awaited by all of us who gather as his people? Well, quite simple. We gather where he has promised to come to us in our day. Yes, as we wait to celebrate his first coming, and as we wait on his second coming in glory, we stop at the places where he has promised to come in his church. We meditate during the week as individuals and family on the word, reminding each other, the Lord is, is our righteousness. We bring our children and new adult converts to the font, believing the Lord is our righteousness. We confess our sin, longing for God's forgiveness, all the while our hearts remembering the Lord is our righteousness. We gather at the communion rail with open mouths and outstretched hands, Confessing before all, the Lord is our righteousness. Yes, today we lay down any other way in which we might seek to establish our own righteousness. We need not try to establish our righteousness based on our actions, our words, our thoughts, or anything else. And certainly no heritage given to us by physical birth will do either. No, only the heritage that has been given to us by the new birth of holy baptism will do. Only Christ's actions, his words, and his thoughts are pure enough 
to be the righteousness that we need. Only his death and resurrection were powerful enough to deliver to us that righteousness. As our epistle lesson reminds us, only Jesus is able to establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father on the day of the Lord Jesus' coming with all of his saints. We heard how those people at Palm Sunday were overjoyed that Jesus had arrived in their midst. And that is because they believed that this was the one whom God had promised. They believed this was the king who would sit on David's throne forever. And they believed that with his arrival, they would be given a new name. The Lord is our righteousness. Yes, they would be called by his name and they would have his righteousness. We too wait with great hope for his coming. We wait to celebrate his first coming again. We wait as we wait for him to return on the clouds in glory. And all the while, we celebrate the ways he comes to us in his church. Yes, we too wait. And we rejoice at the thought of his coming because we know too that when he comes, we will have his name and his righteousness. And with his righteousness, we will be ready to live with our God forever. Thanks be to God for sending this one forth, just as he has promised. Amen.